Hi again, folks, and welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima again. Thank you so much for joining us today. Great to have you with us. Quick heads up before we get right into uh, today's episode. First of all, happy to say we are now all out of seated space for this month's introductory seminar in Tokyo. Do RSVP if you're interested, though, because there'd normally be between 10 to 20% cancellations in the uh, few days before the event, as emergencies do happen. We will link to the registration page in the show notes, as usual. And also, there's still plenty of standing room. The place can fit at least 50 more people standing. So RSVP away if you're in the area on the 31st. Would be great to see you. Another quick heads up. If you've been following us for a while, you probably remember we've spoken to Dan Vovel of Odyssey Capital Group in Hong Kong a couple of times. The first time right after Odyssey launched their Japan Boutique Hospitality Fund. And then one more time a couple of months later after they finalized their first few purchases. Just as a recap for those who haven't had a chance to listen to those episodes, um, Odyssey, who are one of Asia's top asset managers, have been active in the Japanese market for a few years now, first with a sake brewery that they've purchased, renovated, and put on the global map as far as Japanese sake export is concerned. They've also tweaked the place up with plans for a gourmet restaurant, local tours, and a traditional inn-slash-hotel on-site. They then took that experience and used it to launch that hospitality fund that we mentioned, which buys undervalued hospitality assets, such as hotels, yokans, which are traditional Japanese inns, and the natural hot spring resorts, onsens. So places that are not operating at their full potential, and Odyssey then brings them up to speed, and they net a very handy operational profit for the fund's investors. In the future, they're also planning to increase the value of the assets, which of course investors will benefit from as well. Well, we've had quite a few of you who have invested in the fund following those interviews. And as everyone who did seem to be quite satisfied with the investment, we're now happy to bring you yet another offer from Odyssey. Now, this one is perfect for those of you who prefer a more direct ownership structure. So they're now also offering syndicate investment options, meaning a large group of investors who will be joining their capital and resources together to invest directly in specific assets, which the investors will all own together still under Odyssey's uh, super capable, profitable management, and they've benchmarked a few of these potential assets for their first syndicate options, a hotel in Kyoto and another group of hotels. So a batch of prime assets in various other cities, which they've included in the syndication option that they now offer. And as we've done with the fund, our partnership with Odyssey provides the same perks for investors who choose to participate via our referral. So the normal minimum investment amount, which is usually 250,000 US dollars, has been scaled down to only 50,000 US dollars for investors referred by NTI. All sign-up fees have been waived, so same as with the fund, and which to me is the most attractive perk, the offer comes with VIP membership, which means investors will also have annual usage rights. That's right, you will be able to stay at these luxury properties every year, so the perfect vacation for anyone, to be used at your convenience or as a giveaway to friends, family, clients, etc. Now, these investments, similar to the fund, are pegged to yield at least 8% annually, although Odyssey are hoping for almost double that return if things go as planned. And we'll link to the page explaining more about this investment in this episode show notes as well. So feel free to contact them directly if you wish, or you can message us and we'll send through a direct introduction and referral. Either way, just make sure that they know that you were referred by NTI, so they'll know to give you those uh, bonuses that we mentioned. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to dive right into this week's episode, in which we're going to be talking visas, and more specifically, investment or business management visas. 
Now, we often get asked if it's possible for real estate investors who buy properties here in Japan to get a visa so that they can also live here, whether it's in the properties that they've purchased or elsewhere. And it makes sense too. There are many countries around the world where investing in real estate also grants the buyer a visa if the property is at a certain minimum value or a certain minimum income, which enables people to get two birds with one stone, invest in real estate, and also live in the country they're investing in, either full-time or for parts of the year, etc. Well, in Japan, the answer is a bit more complicated than that. And for this purpose, we've invited Mr. Hiroshi Shimizu, an immigration lawyer who works here in Fukuoka City, to tell us a bit more. And he's here with us. Shimizu-san, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Oh, thanks. It's great to be here. Okay, so let, let's explain the question again. There are many people who invest in Japan or are planning to invest in Japan, and they've either got a business in their home country Uh, or they can set up a company branch office here, or they want to start a new business, and they're interested in moving to Japan. So firstly, can you please explain a little bit about what types of business visas actually exist and what are the requirements for each of those visas? Well, uh, there are currently about 30 kinds of visas in Japan. These visas are mainly classified into these based on each activities in Japan and each status, such as spouse of Japanese national or permanent residence, etc. Applicants are required to meet the conditions of landing. It means their activities, which intend to do in Japan, must correspond to each visa specified in the law and fulfill criteria required for each visa. For example, if someone intends to receive approval for the business manager visa for the purpose of setting up a new business in Japan, they are required to engage in managing their business on their own and their business are expected to be sustainable and stable. And also, they are required to meet such criteria as opening a business office and hiring two or more full-time employees or having capital or investments exceeding 5 million Japanese yen. Okay, so in relation to real estate investment, what type of business would be acceptable uh, from an immigration and visa perspective? Let's say if somebody wants to get a business visa, Can they just set up a local Japanese company to invest in real estate and then purchase any kind of property under that company name? Like, for example, one small mansion room, or is there a minimum size or a minimum price or some special kind of property that qualifies for that? Well, uh, there's no visa for asset management only for personal benefit or as a personal activity. Therefore, even though someone just set up a Japanese company and just purchased some properties under the company name in order to invest in real estate, it is not enough to be permitted to apply for business manager visa. There are some crucial matters they must prove. First of all, they can manage their companies by not only investing in properties, but hiring employees and managing their properties as part of their business. For example, paperwork, cleaning service, maintenance service, etc. Secondly, as a manager, they can create business plans which can be profitable continuously and stable, regardless of the amount of expenses, by making use of their abundant investment experiences and knowledge, and can execute a business according to their business plans. Finally, it is necessary for them to set up and manage their companies in relation to real estate investment in Japan. If we think about the type of business from those point of view, such as asset management, development, hotel business, or consulting company for real estate could be considered, 
as long as they meet those criteria. Right. On the other hand, when it comes to asset management for personal benefit and as personal activity, they can do it freely during living in Japan as long as they have meet to long-term residence visa, such as the other working visas, student visa, etc., and they do not disturb their main activities. Okay, and then if someone already has a real estate investment company and already got the business visa, what do they have to do to keep renewing that visa? Does the immigration department or the tax department check on them to make sure that they're still profitable? I mean, what's the criteria for extension of the visa and how often does the visa need to be checked and renewed and extended? Uh, well, uh, they must keep meeting the same conditions of landing when they apply for extension of period of stay. The Immigration Bureau will examine carefully in terms of continuity and the stability of their business by checking any required documents such as financial statement, certificate of tax payment, and also by sharing information from the taxation office. So it is crucial that accounting is properly done according to the law. Basically, those examinations will be done only when there is an application for change of visa or extension of a period of stay. However, if they do not continue to engage in the activities corresponding to their status such as business manager for three months or more, their visa might be revoked about, uh, according to the Immigration Control Act. Okay, I understand. And how about later on, if somebody has a business and a business visa, will then they become eligible for a permanent visa after some time? Uh, when and how can people transit from a business visa to a permanent residency visa? Uh, in principle, they will be able to apply for permission for permanent residence under the condition that they have stayed in Japan for more than 10 years consecutively, and also during their stay in Japan, they have had work permissions such as business manager for more than 5 years consecutively. Mm. However, it is not automatically permitted, even if they fulfill the criteria, because the Immigration Bureau will judge whether to permit it or not depending on several factors. To get permission permanent residence, it is important for the applicant to continue to be familiar with Japanese society as a citizen, observe Japanese laws, have sufficient income, and fulfill public duties such as tax payment. On the other hand, as another possibility of permission for permanent residence, if someone has had a highly skilled professional visa, such as a professor, office worker, business manager, etc., they will be able to apply for it under the condition that they have stayed in Japan between one to three years consecutively. Uh, and what about their uh, clientele? If someone has a business in Japan and a business visa, do their clients have to be Japanese? Or is it enough if the income is brought to Japan and they pay taxes? Can someone set up a Japanese company and then sell to clients overseas, for example? Well, uh, it doesn't matter whether their clients are Japanese or not. They can sell to clients overseas, but their companies established in Japan based on their business manager visa need to continue to make stable profits and also their accounting needs to be done properly according to the law. Okay, thank you. That makes it very clear. Now, lastly, can you explain a little bit about the new startup visa? How does that one work? Is it available everywhere in Japan or only in some places and who can qualify for that? Well, the startup visa can be made use of in specific cities or prefectures approved by the Ministry of Economy, Trade and Industry for the purpose of acceptance, expansion and promotion of foreign entrepreneurs. 
Six areas have been approved so far. Fukuoka city, Kobe city, Osaka city, Aichi prefecture, Gifu prefecture, and Mie prefecture. Foreign entrepreneurs are required to meet criteria mentioned already in order to receive approval for a normal business manager visa. But the startup visa system permits foreign entrepreneurs intending to start a business in some specific areas to receive in total one year special visa to help them prepare for the application for a business manager visa without fulfilling those criteria in advance. However, the entrepreneurs must submit a new business implementation plan to the city or prefecture and be approved by them. When it comes to eligible businesses, in the case of Fukuoka City, these are businesses with the potential to improve Fukuoka City's industrial competitiveness at the international level or expand employment opportunities, for example, software development, medical technology development, clean energy development, etc. Okay, that's, that's great information. Thank you very much.、Um, I think that makes it much clearer, and it sounds like the main points in all of this、uh, are that whatever the investors invest in, the company that they set up has to have a clear business plan and profitability structure if they want to use their investment to try and get a business visa. And then the business has to continue to be sustained for at least a few years for the visa to then be renewed. Is, is that about right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, fantastic. Thank you very much for that.、Um, I think you've helped a lot of our listeners today. And thank you again for your time and for being on the show. Yeah, thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Okay, folks, that's it from us for today. Hope this clarifies things a bit more for all of you who have plans to move to Japan as part of your investment and life strategies. Of course, because of the slightly complicated nature of these visas applications, it's highly advisable to hire the service of an immigration lawyer. Uh, we recommend Shimizu-san, of course,、uh, just to make sure that you're putting the right structures in place and you qualify for the right criteria and that you're updated with any latest changes and developments in immigration and business laws. You can try to do it on your own, of course, many people do, but hiring an immigration lawyer has the potential to make things a lot easier for you and also to help you just avoid costly mistakes that will end up eating more of your time and financial resources than necessary. So, we hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Please share it with your networks or anyone who may find it interesting. And we welcome any questions or comments that you may have. Just drop us a line directly via email at info at nippontradings.com with a double P or in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. And do take a moment of your time if you can to leave us a review or at least give us a star rating in the iTunes Store podcast repository or Spotify or wherever you might have found this podcast. And if you haven't subscribed yet, we hope to meet you face to face in Tokyo at the end of the month. If you can make it, we'll link again to the registration page and to Shimizu san's website, of course, in this episode's show notes. We hope to have you with us next time. And until then, from all of us here at NTI, we wish you, as always, happy investing. Bye.